This time our children, we go into children's church and we have opportunity to get in God's Word together. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I want you to get to them. Uh, we'll be looking at a passage later on at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if it takes you a little while to get to that kind of uh, book, it's in the New Testament. Go through the first few Gospels and then uh, you'll find uh, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. And after 1 Corinthians comes... 2 Corinthians. All right, you're with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But before we get there, uh, there are a few other things I want to talk about. You might have noticed as uh, we began that uh, as, as Mark was up here leading worship, they had some band-aids on his nose and uh, on his uh, forehead there a little bit like that. And uh, too bad we didn't throw up the before and this is the after picture of him. But uh, as we begin the new year, we want to restart from the heart. Things happen. Have you noticed that? Life happens. And as uh, Mark was uh, trying to prepare for his uh, father-in-law, uh, re, retaking his truck that he had borrowed over for vacation. He thought he'd take his, uh, that truck to the car wash and get it all clean and everything. And, but there was one thing that he needed to do before that happens. He needed to take off an ornament in the front of the, of the car. Okay, and it was kind of a wreath, and that wouldn't do real well in a car wash. So he decided that he and Brandon would take that off. So he asked Brandon, do you have a knife? And when you think about a knife, you think about something like that. Well, he didn't bring out a knife. He brought out half a sword. It was something like this. And as, as Mark was uh, removing that wreath from the front of the car, he, he kind of took the blade and went upwards with it. And um, then the thing kind of snapped, and it forced the knife into his nose and into his forehead. And if you saw him early in the work, he looked kind of kind of like a, a young Frankenstein. I mean, there were just stitches everywhere. And the, thing I, the reason I tell that story is because I'm pretty excited about that, because now, I, well... Now I have something to laugh at him about rather than him laughing at me about. That's always a great way to do that. And I was thinking, you know, I've never done that. I mean, you can't say that your dad set the example for that. And then I was at a wedding yesterday, and Lori's wife uh, proceeded to remind me of something that happened about a year ago when I, on Thanksgiving Day when I was kind of messing. Brandon's kind of the, the central person in all these stories is that I was with Brandon, and we were doing some things, and we were playing kind of freeze tag. I'm going to go with a long story, and I kind of lunged at him. Up at a park in a parking lot, and the parking lot is, I guess, the similarities in both stories as well. Brandon in parking lots, and I kind of lunged a little bit. I did tag him, but kind of landed on my chin, almost. Oh well, we won't go into that. It, there was blood everywhere. All right, and, and as you think about that, life happens, doesn't it? And there are times in your life you wish that you could do a do-over, or if you're a golfer, you say, "I wish I could pull a." mulligan right just can can we just do this again so i don't quite use that knife that direction and maybe not even use a knife at all in fact to the story of this right before it happened Lori says don't you think we ought to get some scissors and do it that way and of course he now learns that he needs to listen more to his wife than to his own thoughts and never listen to brandon only listen to Lori. so but anyway there there are many times in your life you wish you could just do a do-over do a mulligan and there's certain individual things that happen in your life that you kind of focus on. But how, how, how traumatic it would be at the end of your life to say, not only would I like to change a few decisions or choices or incidents, things that I kind of fell into because I didn't think before I acted, but really what you'd like to do is do an entire mulligan and change everything about your life. Or at least the, the main focus and direction of your life. As we make a restart from the heart in 2015, before we kind of uh, go into a series, not kind of go into a series, and how, how God's going to end this all, bring it all in culmination in the book of Revelation, 
uh, I really thought that it would be good for us to, to kind of look again at the basics. Or as I've entitled the series, you know, focusing on the fundamentals. You know, what is it that God wants us to be deeply committed to? If you've ever been uh, involved in really any activity, it, 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 you never really become successful unless you really, really understand the fundamentals. I don't, I don't care if it's cooking or trimming roses, as some our people did this week, or, or whether it's a sport you're involved in. If you don't have the fundamentals down, you, you really are not going to function well. You're not going to live well. Whatever you make, it's not going to come out right. Whatever you try to do on the court won't be successful. Whatever your direction in life, what you're dreaming to happen won't happen. And if that be true in every part of our life, how much more so true is that in our walk with God? And so as we're going to spend two or three weeks on this, I want us just to simply, simply look at what should we be deeply committed to if we consider ourselves Christ followers. What is it should be at the core of who we are? And so this morning what I want to do is I, I, I want to kind of debrief a little bit from last week and go on to a few other things. But it, it's all about what God wants us to be. Now, now some of the things that, that you know, preacher types like me struggle with is, is we can all come up here, or I can come up here and give us all a list of to-do things every week. There's so many things that God wants us to do. But before we do anything, and this is a fundamental, God wants us to be somebody. We, we can't live out what God wants us to be until we're part of God's family. So, so I, I'm trying to, to put these principles together in terms of be statements. This is what God wants you to be. It's not about trying harder, you know, putting more effort, and, and that's part of living any part of your life. But it's understanding who God wants you to be so you can be focused on the fundamentals, to be deeply committed to the core God wants us to live out. And so this morning, let me just give you the, the main ideas, and then we're going to kind of debrief them a little bit this morning. Uh, God wants us, first of all, to be on purpose. And you can phrase it a variety of different ways, but at the core of the God's Word, God tells us to be on purpose. It's all about recognizing that we ought to be a life committed to honor or glorify Him. That, that's what it's all about. God wants us to be on purpose, which means to honor or to glorify Him. That's why He made us. Uh, theologians in the past put it this way, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But not only does he want us to be on purpose, he also wants us to recognize that he wants us to be the church. And I want to focus on it. More than just coming to church or seeing people at church, whether it's on a Sunday or any day of the week, God wants us to be the church, be who we are. And then as, we've been, as I've been kind of thinking through all the deep things we ought to be uh, committed to, simple truths, is we need to recognize that we can't do it on our own. So we need to be empowered. So I'm going to try to kind of summarize an 11-week series when we talk about knowing God. What, what is it God wants us to recognize about being empowered to live out what, he, what He's called us to be? And, and then particularly it relates to the, the, the agenda of God's church what is it God wants us to be in relationship to our oikos, the, our relational world, the people we come in contact with? And, and these are things, and, and I've said this before in, in series or in messages like this, this is a message for all of us. This is not dependent upon what kind of spiritual gift you have or what kind of experience or training you do have or do not have. 
It's not about your personality type. It's not how God has, has uniquely made you. This is for everybody. Everybody that, that desires to, to, to know what life is all about. God wants us to be on purpose. And, and if we, we know him, he wants us to recognize we don't go to church. We are to be the church. And as we think about living out the Christian life, it's not doing it on our own strength. We need to be empowered. And third, fourthly, we need to realize that God has given us, each of us, a ministry with our relational world, our oikos. So let's look at it this morning. Be on purpose. And to be on purpose is, is all about honoring God. Our, our longer purpose statement is to honor God by helping more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. But every, every statement begins at, at the beginning, and it's all about honoring God. We have, a, hopefully, uh, some of you will look at the bulletin and say we have some things in there we want you to remember. And, and one of the things we, we try to do each month is give you a verse to memorize. And Romans 11.36 says this, for, and it's in your outline, Romans 11.36, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Well, let's say that together. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And that really gives us the rationale why we ought to be committed to honoring God or to glorify God. And we, we talked about what that, those words mean. They're synonymous or they're used, they're, they're used interchangeably in the New Testament. If you're honoring God, you're glorifying God. If you're glorifying God, you're honoring God. And, and what, is it, what is it that you do when you do that? And again, for God's people, that should be the most natural part of who we are. Because we recognize God more than anybody else because we know God. And if you know God, what you want is for other people to know God. And other people to know God is just how great and awesome God is. To, to glorify God, from the root meaning of those words, is to, to raise people's opinion or estimate of who God is. Now, we don't make God any bigger than He is, but what we do is raise people's opinion of who He is by living it out so they can see it in us. And, of course, that's a question we could all ask. How am I living in such a way that people can see God in me, and as they see God in me, their opinion of who God is just raises. And when people struggle, well, just how important is it to know God? As they see our lives, they see, and this is the word for honor, they see the value of knowing God. You know, Jesus told a parable uh, about a man who, was, who, 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 who discovered a treasure in a field. And when he saw that treasure, he sold everything that he had to buy that field. Wow, because that treasure, treasure had so much more value than anything else that the world had to offer. And, and that's what we want to live in such a way that, that we communicate to people and, and how we live that God is the most important person in our life. Our chief end, our chief purpose, our chief goal in life ought to bring honor and glory to God. So people's opinion and value of who he is is just raised to the point so that they're drawn to him. Now, now practically speaking, I put this out as a definition in terms of how we do that. We ought to choose, and this is who we are, but each day we live out who we are by the choices that we make. We need to choose to show and tell who God is in our attitude, in our actions. Another way to put this is, is this is living out a life of worship. This service is called a worship service. And what does that mean? That, that we, we come together collectively to bring God honor and glory, to bring Him praise, to, to, to bow at His presence. The word worship has the idea of 
of bowing down or reverencing or, or servicing him. But it, it's not something we reserve just for an hour a week. It, this, is, this is a 24-7, seven-day-a-week experience where we worship God at church, at home, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods, everywhere we are, we want to give honor and, and praise to God by, by living out the life he's called us to live so that people can see God in us. Now, stopping just for a moment, ma- many people struggle in believing God because they can't see God, right? It, it, or that God hasn't proven himself to us or to them. And we need to realize that, that we cannot go beyond the reality that people will only experience God by faith. That faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a reward of those who seek him. And so how people see God is seeing him in us. The Bible kind of describes God's people as to be a sweet aroma of him to others. That we are light, that people can see God shining through us. That we are the salt of the earth, so we bring flavor to life. The Bible also talks about is that we are living epistles. That the, the first book or first Bible book that God will read, that other people will read, will be us. They'll read our lives and see there's something in you that, that I can't explain apart from what you're talking about, that, that God is living within you. You know, we sang a song to begin this service that, you know, I once was lost and now I'm found and now I'm alive in you. That God wants his people to be so alive that people see us as people who are with God. It's interesting. Um, when we were uh, uh, on our vacation in Lake Tahoe, and, and if you've ever been skiing or, or going down the slopes, uh, you, you know, have to go through the whole idea of getting tickets and they used to put those tickets, they would put these little um, metal attachments to, to your ski gear, and then they put a, a paper flap over it, and I, I'd always put it the wrong way. They'd have to give me another one, and, you know, I'm kind of fumbling that way. But now they come up with a better way to do it. What they, what they do is they, they give you a card, and, and it, it's something like this. And then this is this epic day, Kirkwood skiing, all right? And it's interesting about that because if you've ever been on, on, on the slopes, there are hundreds of people skiing or snowboarding. And you're wondering, how do they keep track who's, who really bought a ticket and who did not? I mean, what, what, and now with this, it's not even external. But what they do is you, you put it in your pocket, your ski pocket or your ski jacket or it might be, and, and they have a, a, a reader that goes right by the, the, the lifts. And, and there's a barcode. It's for that particular day. And even though no one else could see whether you legitimately should be on the slopes, they can detect that you've purchased a ticket. And see, all I'm saying is that, that we ought to be people who are, who are choosing to show people, even though it's something they can't necessarily see. They can't see, they cannot open up our chest and see God living within us. But, but the readers that they have will, will detect the barcode that somehow we have been with God. In the book of Acts, they, they looked at the, the, the people who followed Jesus. We call them the disciples or the apostles. And they, they were trying to explain, how, how, do we, how do we explain these people? We, we know who they are. They were people fearful. They were running away at the cross. And now something has happened in their lives. And the only way they could explain it, they said they're uneducated, they're untrained. 
Oh, but there's an ex- here's the explanation. They've been with who? They've been with Jesus. And, and so they began to show and to tell who God is by their attitude and actions that they had been with Jesus. Now, now particularly that is played out by, by helping people and helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ. That, that's our passion to, for people to, to get in on what we have received from him. And that's a choice, isn't it? That, that's who we are. We are people who have experienced God. Now, now we choose to say, I, I want that to leak out. And again, the whole idea of what, what I've been wrestling with in my own life, am I deeply committed to that very simple truth? That, that my life is to be lived in such a way that I, I really do, do believe that for from Him and through Him and to Him are... How many things? All things. Just think about it. If we just believe that one verse, if we recognize everything in life has this existence from one source, God. And the only way things are maintained in this universe that we have experienced to enjoy is maintained by Him. It's through Him. And there's really only one ultimate purpose for that is to Him. Then why wouldn't we want to live a life to give him glory, to honor him, to raise people's opinion to, to the person who for from him and through him and to him are all things. And how long would we want to do that? We'd want to do that forever, not just one hour a week or a couple hours a week. We, we want to live in such a way that people know that we know that for from him and through him and to him are all things. And to him, he should get all the honor and glory and and value and opinion that we see is higher than anything else this world has to offer. And though people, people cannot see that in terms of God in, in, in the flesh now, he can see him in God's people. And they long to have what we have. So let's be a people deeply committed to a very simple truth. We have one singular purpose, to live in such a way that we allow people to see God in us, in our attitude and actions. We want a people that can see God's love, that the joy He can give, the peace that passes understanding, the kindness that He has demonstrated in our lives that we want to display to others, the goodness of God that God gives to us, that we're faithful and we're gentle. And we're under control and not out of control. And we live not for ourselves, but for others. Be deeply committed to a simple truth. I want to live to God's honor. Secondly, this is not a lone ranger experience. This is is not something we do all alone. This this is not ever lived out this way. Um, They say... Uh, professional football or football, the 11-man football, is probably the, 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 the most obvious team game. You, know, you, can, you can have two or three great players, but if you don't play as a team, you will not win. And, and that's so true in the Christian life as well. You cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian. And so we need to be deeply committed to not simply going to church, but being the church. I wrestled with trying to find that this week. 
And, and here is the, here's the definition I would come up with. Be the church. Be deeply, and what is the church? It's people deeply committed to God, his word in each other, selflessly participating together in God's work of bringing people to himself. And I, I'd like you to wrestle with that definition for your own sin, yourself. As you think about being part of God's family, not simply going to church, but being the church. Could you self-describe yourself as, as, a, as a person with other persons, with other people, deeply committed to God, His Word, and each other? Selflessly committed to be involved in God's work of bringing people to Himself. Because that's what the church is about. It's not simply going to church, but it's being the church throughout the week. Now, how, how should that be played out? Let me just put it in two ways. We ought to be people who care for people in the church, and we ought to be people who care about people in the community. You know, Jesus said this, you know, that uh, they will know you are my disciples if you have love for what? One another. And in Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 10, it says this, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. So as so we think again of a, a simple job description is, is God has been good to us, so we need to be good to others. And it begins with God's family, the church, and then it's to spread out and leak out in others. Over the last number of weeks, um, actually a number of months, uh, we've been looking at how can we be a blessing to the community behind us, which has all kinds of of needs. In fact, it's interesting, our city has now had a, had a desire to be a blessing to that community as well. And, and, and the, the police department is doing some simple things. The city is trying to do some simple things. Um, over the last number of week, months, I've participated in some of the things. But they, they're even having a meet and greet where the, uh, where the police and some of the city officials come at 7 o'clock in the morning and, and they give donuts and orange juice and coffee to the kids as they go to school and their parents and, and they're just trying to, to, to build a bridge of relationship and, and I was talking to actually one of the teachers who is with our um, uh, Ocean View school that, that works with challenged students and I was just talking about how he was asking about what's going on, and I said we're trying to, to reach out in our community and just be a blessing. And so we o open up our parking lot in various ways for them to use our parking lot in various settings, and we're we're trying to do some hands-on things with them. And his this was his statement. Well, well, that makes sense. That's what Christianity is all about: simply helping people. And see, when we recognize that we are to be the church, we, we realize that we're on an agenda to be good to all people, especially to the household of faith. And, and many of you are, are so good at just caring about the needs of, of those in our church body, and we need to do that. And that's why we have life groups. That, that's where needs get shared and prayers get prayed and rides get given and uh, food is delivered. And, and it's a way where people can care for one another. But we will, we will be measured by God by how we not only care for each other, but how we care for people in the community. And, and we want to be known by not so much what we're against, but what we're for. 
And we want to know about people, and this individual doesn't know the Lord in a personal way, but he said, well, yeah, but that, that's what Christianity really should be all about. And so God wants us to be the church. He wants us to be people committed to God, deeply committed to God, his word, each other, and then selflessly participate in God's work. This is, this is not our work, this is God's work. That bringing or reconciling people to himself. I told you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is one of my, my favorite passages in all of God's words. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. You know, kind of a standard question you all often ask in life groups or settings is, tell us your favorite verse or tell us your favorite book in the Bible. Tell us your, your favorite Bible character. And I, I'm, I ask that probably question as much, if not more, than anybody else. Then, then I have to realize I need to answer that question as well. And I, often my answer is, my favorite passage of Scripture is the one I'm reading now. You know. But if I were to go beyond that, I would say 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is, is just filled with so much. So look, begin at, at verse 14. This is what the church is all about. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Talk about deep commitment, a simple truth. Are you deeply committed to realize how much God loves you? In fact, some translation says this, for the love of Christ controls us. Some said, for the love of Christ compels us. For the love of Christ drives us out. And what that is saying is, is that because of God has loved us so much, we just can't help reaching out to others. And the reason is because we recognize that, that if he made the supreme sacrifice for us, he died for all, then why would, why would I choose to live for myself? Why would I do that? He died for all that they who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And then he goes on, well, here's the mission of the church. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we, yet now we know him this way no longer. Now, that's kind of a complicated way to say what Richard said earlier in the service. Now, he, he was sitting in a coffee place. I don't know it was Starbucks or Coffee Bean or whatever it was. You know, he was, he was in, a, he was in a, 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 a coffee establishment, and, and there was a strange woman in that place. I guess we could all say she was rather strange, kind of just saying all kinds of things. And it was obvious in that establishment that she was... Ostracized. No, no one wanted to be close to her, around her. And Richard, looking at his own life, say, I don't want to be around her. I don't want to talk to her. And yet, the love of Christ compelled him. And said, I I'll go over there and see if I can just, just be a blessing. Let's see if I can help her. And, and was it complicated? He just sat down and listened to her. And the reason he does that, because this verse here says... You know, before, before we become a Christian, we look at everybody naturally. You know, we, we're, we're part of the human race, but, you know, we're just physical beings. But once Christ has touched our lives, we recognize that people aren't just human beings. They're people Christ died for. We, we, don't, we don't look at them anymore like the way we used to. Just, just like the disciples, after Jesus rose from the dead, now they, they've looked at Jesus even more than they had looked at him before because he was more than just a prophet and teacher. He was the Son of God. 
And, and so as we look at people, we, we care about them. We love them because God sent his son to die for them. God wants to rescue them. He goes on, there. it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Not, now, not only do we no longer look at other people the same way, we don't look at ourselves the same way. I, I'm not who I used to be. I, I'm a new creation in Christ. I, I, I'm not tied to my past. All those things that used to chain me back because of my history or somebody else's history, me, that's no longer determinative. It might cause me to struggle, but I, I am no longer tied to that. I'm a new creature. The old things have passed away. New things have come. And then he goes on, now all these things are from God, because for from him and through him and to him, what, are, are all things. The reason we are new creatures, the reason because we can be compelled to go out in life with love in our heart, the reason we can look at people differently than we ever looked at them before, because of God. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's the ministry of reconciliation? It's petitioning with God and bringing people to God. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling, making peace, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And, and let me just be clear here. When we honor God, we honor God by, by showing and telling. Showing and telling. We need to explain why, uh, why we are trying to set this example for God. And who is the power behind that? He's given us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors, representatives for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Have you ever thought about it? being an ambassador for Christ? As God has has enlisted us to be His representatives, and we are His spokesmen, spokeswomen, spokespersons, and He's making an appeal to people. But that appeal is through a human body, through a human voice. That's us to draw people to Himself. So, so, so what are we saying here? God wants us to be deeply committed to just simple truth. One is that we are called to live a life that honors God. We are called to be the church, to be the agents of change, to, to care for people in the community and care for people in the church, to live it and to speak it because the love of God has changed us. Thirdly, we're called to be empowered. And we spent 10, 11 weeks on knowing God. And, and who is God? God is one in essence, one being. There's only one God, but he's three in person. Well, So how are we, how are we empowered? How, how are we enabled? How are we strengthened to live this out? It's not, again, self-effort. And, and take the one God in three persons. You, you could put it this way. We are empowered by surrendering to God the Spirit to be like God the Son in order to please God the Father. We could all pray that very simple prayer in a deeply committed way every, every day, couldn't we? God, today, I, I want to surrender 
to God the Spirit. To be like God the Son in order to please God the Father. The Spirit is essential for us to live out the Christian life. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18 says, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine. Don't be empowered by something else. That is just a waste. That is dissipation. But be filled under the control. Surrender to the Spirit. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. God wants us to to realize all of God's power. all, All three persons of the Trinity. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. It's deeply committed to simple truth. Be on purpose. Honor God. Be the church. Don't just go to church. Be the church. Be deeply committed to God and to His Word and to each other. Selfishly participating together with God and bringing people to Himself by caring for people in the church and caring for people in the community. Be empowered. Don't don't try to do this on your own. We, We need to surrender to God the Spirit, to be like God the Son, to please God the Father. And then specifically, be reaching out to your oikos. Now, we probably use that word oikos right here not as much as we should, and then when we did, we probably don't explain it as much. But the oikos is simply a Greek word in the New Testament that speaks about your household. And household wasn't simply people who you were blood-related to, but people in your relational world. And God has, has given the church collectively the entire world to be its mission field. But for each one of us, our mission field are the people that we come in contact with and begin to be concerned about. And it might, it might happen instantaneously by someone you meet in a coffee shop, or it might be people that you are with and are surrounded by on a daily basis, people at work, in your neighborhood, at school, in your community by the things you're involved with, the people you golf with, the people you, you, you volunteer with at school, in, in some organization, and say, those are the people that I should really particularly be praying for consistently and caring for. In Mark chapter 5, it's one of the amazing stories of Jesus taking a life and completely changing. He was a, he was a man who was, he was filled demonically and, and, and he was abusing his body and he was scaring the entire community and he went out and he, and he just saved him from the deepest part of being far from God. And the, and the person was, was responding in the most natural way because he once was lost, now was found. He was once blind to all that the, the, the world could offer him in a good way. And, and now he could see, and he could see God's goodness and greatness. And so all he wanted to do is to be with the person who had done that for him. He wanted to go to be with Jesus. And we need to recognize that when we pray to Jesus, sometimes Jesus says yes, and sometimes he says no. And sometimes we're surprised when he says no. And what he said to this man who was completely transformed by by the power of Jesus, he said, no, I don't want you to go with me. I want you to go to your oikos. I want you to go to your family and friends, the people that you know and know you. And I want you, because of what God has done in your life, I want them to see God. I want you to choose to show and tell who God is in your attitude and actions and the transformation that God has made in your life. And I want you to be participating in God's work of drawing people to himself. That's who you are to be. An ambassador to the relational world 
that I've placed you in. And in Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, it says this. And he did not let him, this is Jesus speaking to him, but he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away, and what was the result of that, and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was what? Amazed. And why were they amazed? Because he was a great speaker? We, we know nothing about his ability to communicate. Because he had been trained over a long period of time to be a theologian? This was an immediate experience. Did he, was he well-versed in all the Old Testament? We have no idea. All we know is he went back and said, I once was blind, but now I see. I, I once was chained to my old life, and now I've been set free. And that was all because of Jesus. And they could see his life had changed. They could see God in him, and they were amazed. And they began to be drawn to him. That's, that's, that's what God wants us to, to, to restart from the heart in 2015. To simply be deeply committed to simple truth. Be on purpose. Live a life committed to, to raise people's opinion of who God is. Honor God. Glorify Him. For from, for, for, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Live a life not only to be on purpose, but to be the church. Care for people in the church and care for people in the community. Thirdly, be empowered. Don't try to do this on your own. You can't, we can't do this on our own. But can anyone surrender? That's his choice, isn't it? Surrender to God the Spirit. To be like God the Son. To please God the Father. And realize that all of us have a mission field. Be reaching out to the people in your oikos. This week, when you go to work, when you talk to people in your neighborhood, when you're seeing people at school, when you're involved in the volunteer work you're with and the people you come in contact, begin by praying for them and trying to be a light for Jesus. Be quick to listen, to reach out to people and show them that God is alive in us. Let's pray. The good news is that this is your work and you're drawing people to yourself. And Father, we would just pray that anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, might they recognize this is good news. And that when we give our lives to you, you take those lives and, and make them new in Christ. And Father, this is a message of hope. This is a message of, of transformation. This is a message that, that people can come alive in Christ. Help us, help us to be deeply committed to simple truth.
In Christ's name, amen.